Hey friends, I'm so glad that you have joined us online for worship today. Uh, Today we're starting a new message series, which will take us up to Lent. It's called Songs of Courage. And we're going to be looking at some psalms, which are hymns taken from the hymn book of Israel, the book of Psalms. And they're going to help us find courage in the Lord in these crazy times we live in. So our psalm for today is Psalm 27. If you want to pull that up in your Bible or um, on your phone, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Hear this reading from God's Word. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. I pray that you would speak through your word today, through me and to me, and to everyone who listens. Now fill our hearts with the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got first turned on to Psalm 27 in the winter of 1999. It's actually the first psalm that I ever committed to memory, though I couldn't recite it from memory all the way through anymore. And I got turned on to it because of a sermon series that I was listening to at that time. I was driving back to Illinois from Austin, Texas, having completed my first semester of seminary, and I was going home for Christmas break. My mom had heard this sermon series on the book of Psalms called Growing Pains. 
preached by Pastor Chuck Swindoll on the radio. So she ordered the cassette tapes of the sermon series for me to listen to. So I was driving home oh, this long trip from Texas to Illinois listening to these sermon cassettes. I still have the cassettes, I just don't have anything to play them on. And in this series, he was going through Psalms, and in Psalm 27, he was speaking about growing through fear. And as he was preaching through this, he wanted each person to pick a pet fear that they were wrestling with, which was really holding them back. And he wanted them to pick that and get it in their mind because he wanted this psalm to speak to that and bring healing from that fear. Now, as I was listening to this sermon on this drive, it was a couple weeks before Y2K. Does anyone remember that? People were freaking out. People feared that the turning over of digits from 1999 to 2000 in computers would trigger an economic apocalypse. Some people thought it would be the end of the world as we know it. People stockpiled food, water, firearms, backup generators. People withdrew large sums of money from their accounts. But weeks before the turn of the century, my greatest fear was not the Y2K bug and the disaster it could bring when the clock struck midnight for the turn of the century. My greatest fear that I thought about was the fear of dancing. You see, I had started dating Janice a few months earlier, but we weren't yet engaged. And there was one thing about me that I thought might keep Janice from consenting to marry me. And that is that I don't dance. I'm afraid of dancing. Or I was. Janice and her friends loved to go out dancing, two-stepping, salsa dancing, swing dancing. I didn't grow up dancing, and I'm not someone who likes to dance. So as I was listening to that sermon and had to pick a fear, I focused on this fear of dancing. And after listening to that sermon, I decided to face my fear in order to win her over. And so when I got back to Texas from spring break, I signed up for salsa lessons with Janice. And I actually got pretty good at taking dance lessons, even though I never actually had to dance outside of the lessons. And then she married me, we moved back to Illinois, and people don't really dance as much here, so I'm in the clear. You know, we're living in a time and living in a world that is filled with fear. You may already have had some personal fear come to mind as I've been speaking. And as you let it enter your mind, you can feel your body flood with dread and adrenaline. I don't want to draw extra attention to that right now, but rather draw attention to God's word. This is a psalm filled with encouragement for those who are living in fear and facing dreadful circumstances. And there's a lot to be mined from this psalm, but I just want to point out three helpful things that we can do when we are dealing with fear. The first thing, when we are afraid, we need to speak words of faith. We need to speak words of faith. David is a master of this. Look at how he starts off in verse 1. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's a hard pill to swallow that almost everything in the world is completely out of our control. The opinions and actions of others are out of our control. What others think of us, that's out of our control. How others take care of themselves is out of our control. 
The outcomes of our efforts are out of our control. And when we feel out of control, it can be overwhelming, paralyzing. We start thinking in circles, and it can create great anguish. The anguish of our thoughts can create more anguish than the circumstances around us. But in every circumstance, one thing that is completely within our control are the words that we repeat to ourselves, maybe in our minds or even out loud. As Christians, we can do what David did in the most debilitating circumstances. He grabbed a hold of his self-talk and started declaring who God is and who God is to him. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light is one of the most powerful metaphors in the whole Bible. And it's one that David and others use often. When we're overwhelmed by fear, it can cause us to feel consumed by darkness. And that can lead to depression. I had my first significant season of depression when I was 15 years old. I had a lot going on in my life. I was trying to figure out who I was. I didn't really fit in with any of the different groups at school. I was constantly worried about my dad's health, and there was a lot going on in the world. It was during the Persian Gulf crisis, and I was becoming acutely aware of how out of control the world was. But on top of that, I was also seriously questioning my religious beliefs about God. And I was really wondering if God even existed. I wanted to believe in God, but I thought, if God isn't real and all this is going on, what hope is there? And this became really immobilizing for me. It was hard for me to even function. During that time, there were a couple of strong Christians that I really tried to lean into to get hope and encouragement from. One of them was a guy a couple years older than me named Scott. He and his family had gotten really close to God a few years earlier when his dad had walked out on the family. And But he had a strong faith that had pulled him through. And one day, as I was walking to class, I saw Scott in the hallway, and he said, how you holding up? And I had the glassy-eyed look in my eyes that I often had at that time. And I said, I don't know, about the same. But I asked him, because he had faith. I said, Scott, can you guarantee me that I will get through this? And he looked at me with a gentle smile. He said, yes, Jason, if you keep seeking God, I can guarantee you that you will get through this. Since I'd never been through that kind of depression before, I didn't know whether people got through it. So until sometime later when the clouds lifted and I started feeling better, I just held on to Scott's faith. And I didn't have my own, I used his. Now, 30 some years later, I've lived through several seasons of distress. And I know that through God, we can get through anything. No matter how dark things feel in a season, the light of the Lord never stops shining. The darkness cannot extinguish it. That's why we need to claim that the Lord is my light, my salvation. It says in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In David's distress, he declared, 
the Lord, Yahweh, creator of everything. He is my light, my salvation. Friends, there is always light in the Lord. There is always an end of the dark tunnel when you refuse to let go of the Lord. And if your faith is weak right now and you don't feel like you have any, I want to tell you, you can hold on to mine. And remember that words have incredible power. Your words have incredible power. If you're afraid right now, begin speaking to yourself the words of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Or memorize the words of Micah the prophet, who said in Micah 7, 8, Though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my light. A second thing we learn for handling fear from this psalm is to keep worshiping God. We need to keep worshiping God through our fear. David says in verses 4 through 5, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing that is clear about David is that he loved to worship God. He was a worshiper. He was a man who faced intense criticism, even from his own men. He was often hunted for his life. He made many mistakes, but in all of it, he never gave up on the worship of God. He kept dragging himself back to the tabernacle. He felt that if he could just keep worshiping God, he could survive anything. I understand this more and more as I get older. Often when things get really heated up or stressful in our lives, we can fall out of the habit of worshiping God each week. Maybe we're struggling with our faith and we don't feel that we have enough to attend worship. Maybe we've recently made mistakes and we don't feel worthy. Maybe just being around people is too hard for us. It shouldn't surprise you that pastors also feel this way at times. But there's a difference between churchgoers and pastors. And that is that pastors have to go to church. It's part of our job. You can't not show up when your life feels heavy or the world feels out of control. During the pandemic, when no one was in the sanctuary but a few people scattered, you know, hundreds of feet apart wearing masks and not singing, the pastors still had to go. But there is a benefit to that. I can tell you there have been many times that I've dragged myself to church feeling heavy or distracted over the years, my past 21 years of ministry. And I'll go and I'll sit in my seat, but then something happens when the music starts. As the music begins to flow and the words appear on the screen and I look up at the cross, I remember. I remember what Satan and the world wanted me to forget all week. I remember that the God we worship is an eternal God who has led millions of his people through harder times than I've ever known. I remember that he is a God who is faithful and true. I remember that he is a God who calls us to trust and obey, to be strong and courageous and to not fear. I remember there are millions of other Christians gathered across the globe, gathering to worship this same God at the same time. The God who holds the whole world together, 
who spoke and created all things, who loved us so much he sent his son to live, die, and rise for us. And as I remember these things, sitting in the house of God, I feel confidence that God will see me and all of his people through anything that Satan or the world throws at us. And as I'm worshiping God and singing songs and remembering, I sometimes get this thought. If I can just keep getting myself to worship each week, I think I'm going to make it. I do think one of Satan's greatest strategies in life is to convince Christians to quit worshiping. If he can just get the Christian alone, keep them away from the collective people of God, singing in unison, hearing God's word, taking communion. If he can keep us away from worship, we're much more susceptible to fear and bombardment and lies of Satan. And we also must remember that worship is the primary setting where we get refilled on a weekly basis with the Holy Spirit of God. Paul was speaking of gathering for worship when he wrote in Ephesians 5, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're afraid, we need to speak words of faith to ourselves. We need to keep worshiping God. A final thing we learn about handling fear is to wait on God's goodness. Look at the last two verses. David writes, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Verse 13 here is another amazing piece of self-talk. This is a declaration that I repeat to myself on a regular basis. It's worth memorizing, and it's not long. It's the declaration, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this assertion might seem counterintuitive, considering the conditions that David has described in this psalm. In verse 2, he speaks about evildoers assailing him to eat up his flesh. In verse 3, he speaks of an army encamping against him and war arising against him. In verse 12, he prays to God, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. If I were David, I would be saying, I believe that I'll look upon the goodness of the Lord very soon because I'm going to die and go to heaven. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He believed that God would lead him through his current difficulty successfully, even though the odds appeared to be stacked against him. And of course, David did see the goodness of God. God brought him safely through that battle and every battle until he died and handed over the kingdom to his son, Solomon. But David also acknowledged that there was a space, there was a time that was going to take place between his current dilemma and when he saw the goodness of the Lord. In that zone, it felt awful. In that zone, he was surrounded. He didn't know how God was going to come through, but he believed he would. So he says in the last line, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Not only does God show his goodness, 
by bringing about changes in our circumstances as we wait on him with faith. But he also shows his goodness by renewing us on the inside, by renewing our tired, fearful minds and bodies. As God says in Isaiah 40, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We'll be looking together at another song of courage next week. But in the meantime, Fight whatever fear you're facing this week by speaking words of faith. Declare, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Declare, even out loud, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And continue worshiping God. Meet us back here next week without fail. And wait expectantly for the Lord to show you his goodness, because he is a good God that never, ever fails his people. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you, Lord, that you shine the light in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome us. Because you are life, you are light, you are hope. So Lord, I pray that your light would shine in all of our hearts today. And if anybody's going through something and they're afraid, I pray that you would clear away the lies of Satan, which make them feel uh, enveloped, like there's no hope. Let them grab hold of the light. Let them hold on to the faith of Jesus. Let them hold on to my faith. Let them believe. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us declare what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.